Hi there, my name is Pamela and I breed British Shorthair Cats in Perth, Western Australia. I've been breeding and exhibiting my cats since 2004 and I'm even a cat show judge. I'm passionate about the cat fancy and I want to share my knowledge and experiences with you so that you can enjoy your hobby as much as I do. That's what the Cat Breeding for Beginners podcast is all about. In this series, I'm taking a moment to answer some of the most regular cat breeding questions I get asked every day. Hopefully the answers will help you too. I'm also covering some topics that are important to new cat breeders so that you can start out on the right foot. Some of the episodes are scripted and some of them are off the cuff. The audio is both good and bad. But the main thing is the information and I'm sharing it in whatever way I can with you in mind. Well, hello everybody. A little while ago, I did get asked by somebody what was the difference between a show fault and a breeding fault when it comes to cats. And um, it's an interesting topic. It, It can mean different things in different places. It does depend on what association you might be a member of or what country you're in. But really, what it boils down to is that a show fault is something where we're going to penalize the cat in some way at a cat show because of something that that cat physically has. So we might penalize it and maybe mark it down compared to some of the other cats. It might be something where um, because it has that particular feature or that particular trait or that particular physical thing, we are going to withhold an award on it. And that might be something like a challenge certificate or an award of merit. And it may not be able to get those because it has this particular thing. It may be bad enough that it might be a fault that we disqualify the cat. And so it's not gonna get judged, it's disqualified from the show ring. Um, And it could also be that the cat's just not generally good enough, not something specific, but just it's not good enough. Now, the faults are listed in the standards, depending on where you are and what association you're with, it might be listed in a different way. I'm with um, Cats United and Cats United is with the Coordinating Cat Council of Australia and our standards have a list that's called the preceding faults. So these faults are ones that apply to all breeds. Then there are faults and penalties that are a bit more specific to each breed and they're listed on each breed's breed standards. So it'll say things like uh, um, the preceding faults that apply to all breeds and plus these penalties or these disqualifying faults or these withhold faults. Uh, General faults can be things like that apply to everybody can be things like a tail kink. Maybe it's about the tongue sticking out of the cat, the cat with the tongue sticking out. Maybe the cat's cross-eyed. Maybe it's got incorrect eye color. And there can also be things like bad condition um, and bad temperament as well. Some specific things that might be on a specific breed standard might be that the cat has the wrong head shape. Maybe it's got the wrong coat texture. Maybe it's got incorrect markings or patterns. And they're ones that are very specific to certain breeds. Plus, like I said before, it could just generally not be good enough. You need to remember that cats are competing against the standard. So they're competing against the, it seems like they're competing against each other at a show, but really they're competing against the standard for the breed. So that standard sets out a minimum quality for the cat. And if they're just not good enough to be meeting that minimum quality, then that could be a reason why they get um, penalised or, dis- or withheld or disqualified at a show as well. So that can, that can fall under a show fault. It's not a specific thing, but it's just generally. 
Then we need to look at what is a breeding fault. Now, a breeding fault is going to be something that's like a medical issue. It might be um, something to do with the cat's conformation. Maybe uh, a breeding fault I could think of is that I had a line of cats where the girls had very short bodies, which was actually really good for show purposes, but for breeding purposes, it was not good. It was not good because they didn't have the, I don't know, the, the, the right amount of body length to be able to push when they were giving birth. So we did have to have a lot of C-sections in that regard. And eventually I've bred that out, which is great. But that might be an example of a breeding fault where the conformation doesn't really support the breeding of the cats. It could also be a genetic trait that you don't want to pass on. Um, something really specific that's definitely genetic. And aside from medical issues, obviously they're going to be genetic as well. Um, but it's something that you don't want to pass on and you know it's there and you know it's genetic. So you're not going to breed with that cat. Now, the thing about it is that show faults don't mean you can't breed with these cats. Um, I mean, when you go to a show, and this has happened to me, when you go to a show and a judge identifies that your cat has a fault, then um, everybody gets a bit worked up and there's a bit of a frenzy. You know, maybe your cat's got a tail kink, for example. And I think there are some people that would gleefully, you know, be quite happy that your cat's taken out of contention because it's got a fault. So there's people that have that kind of attitude. Then there's other people that just get a bit worked up about it being a bad thing. It's, it's a shameful thing. It's a terrible thing. And I think, you know, that all, there's almost this attitude that you have to run straight to the vets on the way home from the show and de-sex that cat immediately because it can't be spreading its filth within the breeding population for that breed. It is seriously, that is not the case. A show fault does not mean that you can't breed from those cats. Um, if you want to breed, you don't really want to breed with a fault that's going to get passed on. So a genetic fault. And when I say genetic fault, there'll be people that will say, you know, everything's a genetic fault, but things are not necessarily a specific gene that's causing a fault. Sometimes it can be a polygenetic thing. So let me think of an example. I think there's probably, in some breeds especially, there's probably a gene that causes a tail kink but there is a set of genes that cause cats to have a mismarking. So if you have um, something like white lockets on a cat, if you've got a black cat and it's getting a white locket or it has colored, white colored toes, this is something that I've had and I've, I think I had it in chocolates actually. Uh, and I've bred chocolates for a very long time and I never had this before, but I had a new cat come in and from that cat, when we were breeding chocolates, we got white lockets and we got little white toes. And to me, that's a throwback thing that, that does kick around in a few gene, um, gene pools for different breeds. And I believe that that would probably be a genetic thing and probably be passed on. But it was a matter of the two right parents coming together before we got that. So that's something that's a bit specific. But then you've also got polygenetic um things as well where it's not one specific thing it's just like a combination of things so if you had a rag doll and a rag doll that was supposed to have a very straight bicolor um, bi needing to have a very straight v on its face and its v's offset that's not necessarily going to be something that gets passed on that's just something specific to that cat and it's sort of polygenetic i mean if you put a lot of mismarked ones together they're probably going to produce mismarked ones but at the same time, in breeding bicolors myself, I've put some really patchy bicolors together and come up with some amazing markings. Out, luckily for me, British shorthairs don't have a very strict standard about that, but some breeds really do. You're thinking Burmans, for example, very strict standard on markings. So those things, you can still breed with those cats that have that fault if it's not something that's going to be passed on. Even if it is something that's going to be passed on, though, you don't want to throw away good DNA. 
especially if you're working with a minority breed or if you're in an isolated region. Now, I consider myself, Perth is one of the most isolated countries in the world. Uh, if I want to get, if I want to do matings and that with other people, yes, I've got some great friends and that's really, I'm really lucky about that. But if I want to go to another state, that's a six hour flight. Um, if you want to bring a cat into Australia from overseas, that's, you know, 10 grand. You know, it's, it's a big deal. We're very isolated here. So when you're looking at cats that have got um, a fault that isn't a medical issue, we're not talking about medical issues. Medical issues are a completely different, separate thing. But if you've got a cat that's got a fault, sometimes you don't necessarily want to desex that cat straight away. You want to have a bit of a think about it because you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And there might be some really good DNA there that you don't really want to be... Um, losing so you might need to have a bit of a think about that and maybe even just do one mating to pass that on and keep something that that hopefully doesn't have the thing that you're trying to avoid uh, you might hear people say uh, terms that um, we hear these terms a lot people will say that a cat is show quality or they might say that it's pet quality but really a cat with a show fault can fall in between the two of those things Sometimes cats with really poor type, so a cat that's not quite good enough to be a show cat, can still be an upgrader. And we often say that, you know, an upgrader is a cat that, um, an upgrader is where a cat breeds kittens that are better than itself. So a cat um, might not be a great cat in its own right, but its kittens are outstanding. You know, that happens. And sometimes you'll have cats that are the best show cats you've got, and they can give you really mediocre offspring. An upgrader is really, you know, that's gold. If you have one that's upgrading your type, but even if you just have one that's upgrading temperament, that can be gold as well because we all need to have really happy, lovely kittens that people are going to want to adopt. So maybe that cat isn't great in terms of the overall standard of that cat, but maybe that cat can contribute a really fantastic temperament and that's going to help you with um, having you know, not having to worry about people saying my cat's not friendly enough. So I want to give you an example. Um, my boy Wallace. Now Wallace sadly passed away, which I'm still absolutely desperately devastated about. He was an amazing cat. Wallace, um, he, he really was a really good looking cat. Great coat, great eye colour, great everything. But Wallace could never be shown because Wallace was a bit um, unusual in that he only had one testicle. So we used to call him One Nut Wallace. <laughs> and, um, so Mon Orchid or Crypt Orchid, which is one testicle or no testicles, is 100% a show fault. 100% a show fault. And as a judge, you actually, um, you might see judges do this, where they'll go to the boy cat and have a good grab and a good feel around. It's actually something uh, you learn to do. You, you can do it more discreet than that. You can you lift, but you'll see judges lift a cat's tail and look to see both of his bits are there because if he's only got one, that's it. He's he's disqualified. Um, so Wallace only had one testicle. Now, back when I mean this was quite a while ago. Back then, it was it was quite scandalous. And you know the thing about it is that people keep things like this secret, and there seems to be some sort of shame attached to it in the cat fancy and you know, whispered about and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and you know, if you've listened to, to my podcast before or seen any of my videos, I really don't, I really don't care what people think. I don't. Because um, I don't feel that there should be shame about stuff like that. I think it's just the luck of the draw when things like that happen sometimes. I didn't do anything to make that happen. Um, it just happened. And there was, to me, there was so much more benefit 
in keeping that boy entire and breeding from him than there was in desexing him because he just happened to have one testicle. But I think, you know, there's probably people today that actually think that's still scandalous. Now, I can tell you, you know, they're the kind of people that, like I said, want to make your desex account on the way home from the show. But um, I early desexed his kittens. So he's like all of my, since I started breeding, I've always early desexed my cats and I have had no kittens that have had a retained testicle from him or from anything from him. I have had others from other cats, other lines that weren't related, but I haven't had anything from um, cats related to him. So, you know, there might be something in the future, but that could also just be a random event. I mean, if it was going to be a genetic thing, I think you'd see it you know, within the cats that I have because I have bred quite forward from him now. Um, so I don't believe that it was it was a genetic thing that would be passed on. But really, even if it was, the thing about it is that it takes two parents to make a kitten. And, you know, maybe there, there was a way to breed forward from that and then keep something and breed forward and keep something. So when you have a show fold like that, that's what you do. You breed it out. You might not be able to show those cats, but you breed it out. Now, we had the retained testicle removed. I had it taken out when he was about, I want to say he was about six years old. Because a retained testicle, there's a bit of thought that when it stays up in the body, that's where it is. It's up in the abdomen. Very, very, very rarely is it just doesn't exist. It's actually there. It's just up inside the cat. And it hasn't made its way down um, into the sac, the, the scrotum. I call it the pocket. So it hasn't made its way down into the pocket. It's up there and you have to go and get it. So when he had his teeth done, I had um, his teeth done and I had the testicle, um, had them go up and get the testicle when he was about six. And the interesting thing about this was that the vet said to me afterwards, oh, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to go, you know, do anything um, to get it out. Now, sometimes when this happens, and I have had this with another unrelated kitten, uh, it was it was up there, it was quite a way up there and they have to basically do a similar not similar operation but the same amount of invasive surgery as you would do to spay a female cat they have to do an incision they have to go up and get it and they have to take it out that way they can't go up like they would normally go up through the um the scrotum the pocket and and get the testicle out there they have to go up into the abdomen by doing what they would do you know opening up the cat like they would open it up to do a spay but she said I didn't have to do that I didn't have to do that she said what happened was when she went to have a look for it she she actually went to have a look for it in the pocket first and she said it was just up above the where the pocket closure was and I was able to pull it down so what happens when uh kittens have well kittens testicles are up in their body and they eventually drop down into their into the pocket and there's a tube they they go along the tube they drop into the pocket and then the tube closes up so that the testicle stays where it's supposed to stay and doesn't make its way back up into the body and in his situation it had made its way down the first one made its way down and plopped into the pocket and was all nice and snug in there and the second one tried to get down but the door got closed before it got there so she didn't have to do she didn't he didn't even have stitches she basically just gave him desexing on one side like you would do normally for a male cat because she was able to just hook it down um, and get it down and take it off so it was interesting because it was absolutely there and it was just bad timing for him and you know for for all the people saying that you know it's terrible to have a to breed from a cat that's only got one testicle well it was just maybe really just timing that it came down to that he was like that and it actually wasn't 
any sort of huge medical drama. So anyway, moving on from that, he was an absolutely amazing cat, but he was also worth his weight in gold because he was an upgrader. He really did upgrade for me. He would, if I put him to a cat, the mediocre female, I would get really good, you know, kittens from them. His kittens were always um, upgraded. He would either upgrade the female or he would even upgrade himself. His son, Herbert, um, my beautiful big boy, Herbert, has been my most successful homegrown show cat. Um, his grandson, Bernard, consistently gives me amazing kittens. Um, Bernard's an upgrader in his own right as well. Um, you know, if I had have desexed him back when he was a kitten, when it was first identified, you know, and everybody got a bit wound up about it, if I had have done it then, all of that amazing DNA would be gone. It'd be gone. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes cats with show faults or, or cats that are not um, show quality, like I said before, they can still be upgraders, even if they're just upgrading for temperament. A mismarked cat, a cat that's not marked the right way for breed, um, for show purposes, can still be amazing for breeding. It all comes down to choosing who to mate them to. That can be the real key, choosing which cats you're going to put together. And I think that's the thing about show faults and breeding faults. The lesson you need to learn is that sometimes the best cats you ever breed will not be able to be shown. But from them, moving forward, you'll get cats that will be. And that's the secret. Breed forward, um, get rid of the fault, and then they can be shown. Now, going back to what I said before, breeding faults, medical issues, medical issues, you just, no, no. We don't, we don't, we don't mess around with that unless it's something that's recessive and you can um, breed it out. But especially with dominant traits, no, we're not going to mess around with that. Those cats, unfortunately, will need to be taken out of the gene pool. But if it's just a, um, a, a characteristic or something like that and you can breed around it, have a think about it before you desex those cats because there may be something in there where they can still contribute contribute the DNA that they have to your breeding program. So I hope that that was a little bit informative for you. Um, I'd love to hear if you have any questions about that um, on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and you can comment um, on whatever platform you're listening to this as well. I'd love to hear what you think. I'd love to hear if you have any questions. I'd love to hear if you've got any other topics for me to talk about. And um, while you are looking around on the internet, pop over to my website at www.catbreedingforbeginners.com. I have some stuff coming up that's really exciting. I'm working on a um, community where new breeders can get together and there'll be lots of information and different things there for you. Um, I think you're going to love it. So if you haven't already done so, pop over to my website, sign up for updates so that you can find out when that happens. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cat Breeding for Beginners podcast. Make sure you visit my website at catbreedingforbeginners.com for lots more information. You can sign up to my email list and stay tuned as my Cat Breeding 101 online course is coming soon.